you, you like to go on the really slow segue, JB. It's a Sunday morning, Jim. You know, we, we <laughs> released this on a Sunday morning. I can't lead with Metallica. Yeah. You don't want to lead with like the, the old old school alarms that were like. Yeah, no, this is not this is not indoor soccer. Let's blare some horns. There's a goal. None of that. Those alarms still give me nightmares. Whenever I hear them, I, I feel like I'm thrown back to middle school. Oh, yeah, you never forget those alarms for sure. So we're slow rolling in this Sunday. Yeah, it's a little for slow. That's, you know, maybe their cup of coffee is still Oops. brewing because of, you know, whatever maybe you had the night before. <laughs> so or or you're adding a little bit of the leftovers from the night before in your coffee. Yeah, like, ooh, little hair of the dog. Of, I still got some of that in there. Exactly. Sunday <laughs> brunch, why not? Yeah. Oh, I like this guest already. <laughs> so, JB, we're going to have to make our, our update brief. So, Jennifer Sees here with you on Soccer Mom Sunday. And, JB, it's been a minute because we didn't do an episode last week. <gasps> well, and, no, um, and nobody nobody said anything to me, so I guess they didn't miss me. <laughs> um, well, they, they said things to me, and they were like, where the hell's, oh, okay. where's Jen? Because we're sick of you. Yeah, slacker. You, you, you turds <laughs> over there on the other side. So there was definitely, yeah, this, uh, where there was a gap, guys, is what I heard. There was a gap. So. And, and this slacker for sure was um, definitely like punching above her weight when it comes to, you know, I thought with having four kids, like, it gives me an automatic degree in logistics that I am failing. I'm failing miserably trying to coordinate you know, and loving everything, by the way, what I do, you know, working with CamoX and Y98 and the MLS team in our town, St. Louis City, and then getting to do this podcast with you. And it it's amazing. And much to my surprise by the end of the week, I'm like, I'm behind on either emails or texts. Or I scroll down on text, which I don't have your format. You just don't check your text, JB. No, no. What I do is uh, <clears throat> I am very not respond. I'm, I'm you don't respond. A, my yeah, my options are <laughs> A, don't respond. Uh, B, uh, read it and then mark it as unread, um, which is the most brilliant Ooh, thing that Apple that ever did. Like it's just saves me because prior to that um, tech update, I would have eighty on because I just didn't want to open it because it was that was my one reminder to go back to that. <laughs> You know, if it's oh, that's why I come back at you. I'm like, hey, because I want my text to go top. No, so I've got, go I got a few. Your thing. I have a few people independently that all send the same GIF where it's just this little cat purring at, you know, <laughs> tapping at the screen. Like, are you awake or something? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, so uh, I admit that is not my strong suit. So feel free to bug me. So, yeah, I mean, by the time this this podcast drops, St. Louis City, our MLS team will be getting ready uh, to hopefully defeat Sporting Kansas City in it's, game two, it's best not, of three rounds. Well, it's not Sporting Kansas City. It is Kansas soccer. You have to Kansas adjust the, the name. And it's lowercase k, in case oh, you haven't caught that, that one. That, that's, that's dirty talk. That's mean. Oh, that's just mean. Well, if you haven't been on Twitter lately to see, um, we have a lot of new fans, suffice to say, in the Kansas City marketplace. Um fans with quotes fans? yeah i would definitely with quotes okay big quotes probably like two layers of quotes they're they're not they're they're, they're not loving our opinion of their um <laughs> first game success <laughs> but so, they are loving the last results so oh my god we got to change that up on sunday <laughs> yeah how, how's it been down there anyway i mean obviously the the pressers have probably been non-stop what's the vibe i mean because after you the know, year the year that we've had um, I think the the telltale sign after last week's game was Berkey's comments in particular 
he flat out called the team out for training like shit. And that was his professional opinion. Yeah, basically. And, and actually, I've interviewed him before. And I asked him before, like, how how do you feel mentally ready for your game? He's like, I feel mentally ready because I've done the work mm-hmm. when we start practice after the next game. So as, as long as I know I've done my work on Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever they practice, he's like, I then feel confident. So knowing that he said that in the press conference doesn't surprise me because that's very much how he thinks about his own preparation. So, and then being at the practices, I, I missed yesterday, but I was there on Tuesday, was there today. Um, they did, instead of soccer tennis, they typically do on their match day minus two. Uh, they actually did like rondos, or as we would call them, we were little monkey in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> they had three monkeys in the middle. Sharks and um, minnows. And it was, yeah, exactly. And they, they, it was, it had a lot of competition. There was a lot of, um, I would call it healthy tension this week. It's tension that's supposed to be there. You have to win or you're done. So everybody needs to be on the same page with that level of tension. And I think, though, that their leaders, Tim Parker, Roman Berkey, and then, you know, all the different kinds of people who lead in their various ways. You know, Indiana Vasilev, who keeps it lighthearted, but, you know, very serious as well. I don't think I don't think anybody took any second of practices lightly this week. Well, I was thinking what I'm saying. I was thinking about uh, the, the whole mindset, you know, the thing that you obviously deal in all the time um you know you you look at the season and you know coming five games out of the gate undefeated um and even all the way through the all-star break etc you know because we were literally just kind of on cruise control to winning the west as an expansion team so it was almost as if it was like this kumbaya moment that just never gave up and then that first game in the playoffs was like hey here's reality and you just lost and now you can't lose um, well, think about the difference of um, I talked with Tim Parker this week and uh, the uh, bar vice captain and, and I asked him, I said, so clinching early, does that hurt? And he said, yeah, kind of like he kind of so you've got, you know, sporting a Kansas City with a lowercase K, lowercase, um, lowercase uh, that had to, to grind. Right. They had to grind to get in and ground. They did. Right. They and that you find and, and Tim talked about how MLS is notorious for having teams finding form, you know, going catching on fire at the end. And whereas City wasn't limping in. We were sitting atop. And although they always make those practices really healthy competition, there's a lot at stake. It is not the same as playing a game. No. It's not. So when you're rolling in that way, two very different juxtaposed teams with different things that they have to prove up. Um, it was it was a cold, hard slap in the face for City, and I think it's going to f- force them to find some of that Dale Shilly quote, swashbuckling that maybe they had at the beginning of the season. They can't afford not to play any other way. Yeah, they have to go into this next game, and then we can move on because I know your guest is like <laughs> chopping here a little bit, um, but they got to go into this next game as if they are still an expansion team, that they have to, yeah. ha- that they have to prove something. Because um, I think there's this artificial uh, comfort level that they've rode into the end because mathematically they knew that they had the safety net. Um, yeah. I mean, and kudos to them. They earned that. You know, mm-hmm. they earned every bit of that. And isn't it just funny when, and this is going to actually kind of segue to what our, our, our guest does and what she's talked about specifically with the, with the U.S. Women's National Team. When Michelle Akers ends up asking this on a podcast of our guest and of the other guest on the show is, you know, when when the 85ers were back in the day, they had to grind. Like 
you weren't given anything. You were, you, I think they borrowed men's uniforms at one point. I mean, oh my God. So you had to do, no, you had to punch everything in the face. You had to prove up. Well, when you fight then for so long for the youngsters now, I've, I've talked before, I've had two daughters who play who will hopefully, well, they will have much more opportunity than I had. They also lose a little bit of that grit. You lose that, that, that kind of, I have to, and I think city lost a little bit of that and um, they, they have to bring it on Sunday. Is it I time? concur. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so she's giggled here in the background, which I'm so glad. Uh, so you have been hearing the giggle of Jamie Middleman, founder and host of flame bearers podcast. Now, Hi, Jamie. First of all, look. Hey, Steve. Sorry for Happy my day. giggles. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, you know, Jamie, it was so to give our listeners kind of a point of view. I get connected v to you via Ruth Harker. Ruth Harker was on our just our last wait. Yeah, yeah just our last podcast. I should remember that because she like my three, three of my kids were there and she spent most of the time teaching them how to blow yeah, in your straw and they haven't stopped, Ruth. Thank you so much for that. And they do it at all the restaurants. I'm like, put your straws down. Oh my God. Ruth, they're like, Ruth, like Ruth showed us. <laughs> yeah, sounds like Ruth, right? And she was like, I immediately, do you want guests? And I'm like, you know, Jamie, you run your own podcast. You're like, yes, I need guests. And Let's here go. you go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Yeah, I think the world of Ruth, honestly, I think she's had such an incredible personality adds to every community she's a part of a million stars out of out of 10. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And so <laughs> it, in this when the way we talk and the, our listeners know that, you know, JB is uh, non-linear. I'm super linear. So there's times like I'm ready to go on the JB asks a question I'm like, "What?" So I'm I'm on A B C, he's on X. Um so before he gets to X, I wanted to first ask two two things of you. One, you know, what about yourself? First of yeah. all, like who you are and your background. I mean, I can read it on the website. And then, of course, flame bearers and especially the inspiration you had for it. Sure. So excited to be here. Jamie, everyone um, grew up as an athlete. So sport was one of my biggest teachers, some of my highest highs, some of my lowest lows in high school as a three sport athlete. I tried to walk on in college, was cut my first year, made it, made it, made it the next year. And you know the rest is kind of history. It's it's interesting because sport after college has remained a huge part of my life. Done a couple of marathons, became a certified yoga instructor. Um, just it's kind of where I stay grounded. Um, so I think it's also something that everyone speaks. Everyone can relate to it. It doesn't matter what language you speak, what culture you're from, um, what sport you play. People people who are competitive just understand that. Um, it brings people together. So what Flame Bears is, um, you kind of mentioned it, it's the first storytelling platform in the world that works with specifically women Olympians and Paralympians. And we tell their stories in three ways. So podcast, live events, and those are either in person or virtual, and then video content. And I had the opportunity, it was really an incredible honor to work with the 85ers. So for those who haven't heard Ruth's episode or aren't familiar, the U.S. women's national soccer team, the first year in existence where they were actually able to play internationally was 1985. So in honor of the Women's World Cup this past summer, we told all of their stories. 
Um, there was actually a reunion in Asheville, North Carolina. We had the opportunity to go there on the ground, conduct interviews. And it was really a fantastic celebration because these athletes hadn't seen each other in 38 years. They haven't talked to each other, many of them, in 38 years. And they just fell right back into it, just, just like normal teammates. Um, so it's, it was absolutely a, an incredible honor. We actually co-hosted the season with Michelle Akers, FIFA Player of the Century, the GOAT, um, and that was really special. So a couple questions. What were your sports in high school? You said <laughs> three sports. Me too. Yeah. What, were, what were yours? Um, soccer, ski racing, and track and field. Okay. Whoa, that's different. So, so okay, okay. So soccer, I was I nodding. Track and field, I would have nodded. I, I didn't get to do that one, but ski racing. Yeah, that's out there for sure. Um, I my parents kind of grew up with every weekend. They would rent a place in Vermont. We they'd throw us in the back of the suburban. I have older brother, younger sister. The dogs in the car, and you know, Friday after school, we drive up three and a half hours to Vermont. So. It was definitely have a um, an inkling towards pain because you know it's nothing like being out in zero degrees in a full body spandex suit Saturday morning. So <laughs> good morning. <laughs> down down yeah. downhill or slalom? Um, I, I I preferred slalom, but you got to do both. So awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Well, and I know one of the things I read on your website, which I, I was perusing that uh, today uh, is in particular, I'd looked at it before, but I was really looking at it today, um, you know, ele elevating voices from all over the world. And I thought I'd add to that. I think you're elevating voices that feel unheard. They feel unseen. Um, and how hard is it for you mentioned Michelle, right? Being yeah. the goat, right? In, in, in my world, in maybe your world too, and maybe my 15 year old, maybe not my seven year old probably wouldn't know that, but like Lionel Messi just won his eighth Ballon uh, d'Or. And my 12 year old boy is like, I, I, he sees himself in Messi. Mm -hmm. He's, he's not, but I'm, but, but you know, we can all, we all need to dream and he yeah. dreams and he sees that girls like myself, um, definitely Michelle Akers. We didn't have those people to look at. And even if, so 85, I was in fifth grade, could have looked to a Ruth Harker, could have looked to a Michelle Akers, but there was no coverage. I didn't know of them. Exactly. Um, so a brand new study just came out by Wasserman um, that, that was looking at sports media coverage. And it shows we're making progress. Before this report came out, the most widely skated statistic was um, between three and 5% of sports media coverage goes to women athletes. So exactly to your point, Jen, you know, Ruth Harker existed, but if you're on the opposite side of the country, you're not going to hear about it. So you don't have her as a role model to look up to. The new Wasserman report said that between 2018 and 2022, the number was up to 15%. So that still means that 85% of sports media coverage is going to male athletes. So there's a massive opportunity to tell the stories around the badass women who are out there killing it. Um, and that's exactly what we do. So we don't do sports reporting. We're not talking about the matchup. So I watch every game I possibly can. I think <laughs> the best way to get people to actually care is to get people emotionally connected to people. So that's why we talk about who they are and what they care about. Well, let me, let me ask a question because this is a topic that we've covered a number of times, um, you know, in previous episodes, not only on Soccer Mom Sunday, but over on Soccer Dad Pod as well. You know, and it's, I wonder what your take is or how you approach 
um, taking the, the lens of sex out of the equation and looking at purely um, kind of the corporate response to airwaves, to content, you know, and that supply and demand um, from Volkswagen and everybody else that ultimately they are the ones that really make the decision as much as it's programming directors Mm-hmm. at stations and, you know, on radio and, 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 well, cable, cable's dying, but you know what I'm saying? Like on-demand services, it's still driven heavily by boardrooms and shareholders. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, how do you tackle that side of the equation? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think, I like to think of it as that's one part of the puzzle. And I think that this is a very big challenge that is culturally embedded it it actually there's a timeline component in the sense that it takes years for fans to develop allegiances and loyalties i'm a red sox fan because i grew up going to red sox games with my parents wow. and then are you okay sorry baby okay this might end shortly here but but my point is now that there's a new team a new woman soccer team coming to boston you can be really sure that I'm going to take my kids to those games, but it just takes time to form an elite, an alliance. So because, so there's a time component too. And I think I actually don't like to let everyday people off the hook here. Um, and this is a point where that Stu Bird made to me. She was like, Jamie, it's really important that people who are not in the boardrooms, people who are not in control of the advertising budget, feel like they have an opportunity and frankly, a little bit of a responsibility and obligation to put their money where where they say, what they think they're caring about. So take your kids to sports games, buy the, buy the merchandise, um, invest in those teams. I think it's too easy to put all the blame on one group of people. Yes, I think that's a part of the problem and a part of the puzzle, but I think for the majority of people who are just big sports fans, there's a role we can each play too. I have a follow-up, if you don't mind, Jen, kind of a part B to that, and that is if we jump over into the uh, the social media realm um, and, and where social media, t- you know, TikTok pages, YouTube channels, et cetera, and their relationship now with NIL, I've seen some early statistics and numbers that are showing that super popular women's volleyball or swimmer or whatever due to their social media presence, not even a weighted ranking of how good they are within the particular sport, but their ability to generate NIL dollars and start to move the needle from an economic standpoint is almost happening quicker, more efficiently via social media as opposed to broadcast television. Otherwise, how do how do you create bridge that gap? Because, there's clearly, uh, you know, again, an economic opportunity on the women's side that is being shown more so, through, honestly, through social media. Totally. It's, it's really interesting because what we're seeing right now is a super fragmented market. And everyone's trying to adjust and react in different ways in the sense that you have some superstars on social media who are not at the top of the roster, but they have an incredible following and are absolutely killing it on social So they're earning money, which I am so happy about. And I will stand up and I will applaud. I think what we're seeing is the democratizing of these opportunities, that if you have access to a phone, you have a brand. You have the ability to stand up and say, I am so-and-so, and and this is what I stand for, and this is why you should invest in me, which which I think is fantastic. What I'm curious to see is if that translates to a larger group of people. We're, We're seeing 
who's doing that well. And it tends to be people in certain sports, pretty much all able-bodied athletes and people who are in a very narrow physical mold. And that is fantastic and that's fine. Um, and that is you know, wonderful that they are capitalizing on that opportunity. I would love to see mass following for, for people who are a little bit more outside of the, the traditional mold. I'd love to see Paralympic athletes, para-athletes start to develop massive followings and to be able to capitalize on that monetarily. You know, I thought, Jamie, um, to build on something that probably in what you said before, there were two thoughts. Let's see if I can remember the second one as I talked. But the first one was, you know, putting ownership and responsibility. And I think that that is so true that, you know, what you can see, like in my little case, my Liam, looking at a Lionel Messi, you can dream when you can't see it, you can't don't dream. It's, it's not it's it's not even a figment of your imagination. As consumers, right? Consumers have a tremendous amount of power. You don't have to be in a boardroom. They, they have all so, the power. I mean, at the end the of the day, they have all the power. You know. So you know, it is not unusual. We're we're a soccer household for my husband to sit there and put on, you know, TV with soccer. And my my thing was is to to hold him accountable as also being a dad of two girls. Are we putting women's games on? Yes. Are we putting and, and and the point might be our seven-year-old may not look at it. She's probably doing four other things because she makes messes like it's her job. And <laughs> you know, but she might, she might look up, and that's really no different than a little boy who could be messing around and then looking up and seeing something, or in a restaurant. Like we go to pubs all the time because I'm a bad mom and I don't cook. So we go to pubs and you know, they have what. 50 TVs and you've got like, how many screens do I need to see like side by side to see the same football game? Like, let's put all the sports on and let's ask for you to put on women's games. So eventually exactly. we don't have to ask you anymore. Exactly. You nailed it. I think that the founding pillar of our work is that based on the principle that if you can see it, you can become it. And conversely, if, if you don't have a role model who, who looks and sounds like you, and that's why, that's why we work with women from around the world of all abilities, of all races, because I'm a white, able-bodied woman from the United States. And that's, that's great. That's who I am. There's, there's no shame there. But there's a lot of women out there who don't look like me. And their stories are definitely not being told. So, so exactly to your point, and we're, we're trying to broaden the, the spectrum of who is being covered and also how they're being covered. So little girls can look up and say, oh, daddy's playing a game that, you know, that actually means he respects them as players and that matters. And you normalize it for growing boys. And I've told this, JB, yes. no, sorry, Joe, David, same story. But when the U.S. Women's National Team came here to play for a friendly, we, tickets were kind of expensive. I took my two daughters <laughs> and my 12-year-old son was pissed. He was like, I why would go. you think I, he, he's like, why would you think I not want to go? And I, I didn't have a good answer for him other than it's been a bit normalized. Like I asked him what he well, thinks. So he's, I'm like, who's your favorite female player? He's like, Sophia Miller. Cause she's really good at whatever and whatever. And I'm like, he's on it. Well, let me, let me ask. I mean, I, I, because I see the same thing. I have three boys. I have no girls in my house. I have two cats and one is female and the other one is male, but, um, <laughs> But my boys, so the female cat runs the show. <laughs> um, yes, yeah. There's a wife, three boys, two cats, then me, and the, the second cat. You know. But um, it, just listening to my own boys and watching them scroll, you know, because mm -hmm. we 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 check out what they're doing. There is no difference within Instagram. The way the algorithm works 
it doesn't it, it's it's really really fluid between yeah. the women's sports side now and, and now it's specific because they're soccer centric so their feeds are all soccer but mm-hmm. you do see I wouldn't say it's 50-50. I would definitely say there's still a, a lean <clears throat> to the men's side as far as what they're seeing due to EPL, La Liga, well, things like that, because the, the, the power is so great there. But, yeah. Jen, your son, when, they re- when he reacted that way, I think it's because they don't know any different right now because within their worlds and their devices, it is all, it's just a game. So, I, you know, and this goes back to, you know, Jamie, I, I have a, more of just a simplistic question because you know yeah. I've been looking at the website. What is the goal of Flame Bears? Is it a PR firm? Is it a consulting firm? Is it a, a hybrid? You know what is you know if somebody were to say, uh, yeah, we'd love to hire you. What do you do? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So, sir, we're media. Can account. I real quick? Can I just add to that too? As you tell yeah. your story, I remember the second thing. Like, what made you want to do that? Like, what made you say, I need to tell these stories? Maybe those can go together. Yes, totally. So we're not a consulting company. We're definitely not a PR firm. We're a media company. So we tell stories. Um, Our clients are essentially going, our organizations that invest in women's sports in the Olympic and Paralympic movement. Um, And our beneficiaries who we serve are women athletes and people who just love following women's sports. So media company is, is kind of the answer there. In terms of how I came up with this, um, it's hilarious. This was actually a COVID adaption. I had been pitching a role. So I was in, in graduate school at the time. I was getting a master's in policy um, and I had been pitching a role to the International Olympic Committee. They um, did not have a job and I thought it should exist. And um, in my usual ridiculous fashion, I was like, this, I should be the right person for this job because of these these credentials. And, and there was some interest, but then COVID happened and the Olympics and the Paralympics were postponed and no one knew what was going on in the world. Definitely not hiring for a job that didn't exist to date. So I, I basically said, well, I can do this work on my own. I, my background is in media and communications. Um, fine, I guess I don't have the backing of the IOC, but you know, I know I know a number of, of Olympians and Paralympians. I think I can give this a shot myself. So I applied for funding within the grad school ecosystem I was in. Um, I built a team. I built a team of advisors, um, fellow students who were interested in this work, a couple colleagues who wanted to be more invested in it. And I read every book on podcasting I could get my hands on. Um, talked to anyone who had a podcast and I was like, three, two, one, let's go. And it was, I'm sure you, you both felt this. It's a little scary getting behind the mic, the mic the first time, especially when you're talking to people who I at least grew up idolizing. Um, there's a little bit of kind of the, the shock when you're like, wow, I'm looking face to face with, with Sue Bird or Becky Sauerbrunn or, you know, Lynn Williams. What does that mean? So it's, it, it, it has taken me a little bit to to adjust, but that's where the idea came from. Oh, one, one important <clears throat> clarification. People often ask where the idea of including Paralympians came in. And I like to be really honest about this. I would love to say that I've always been an outspoken advocate for people with disabilities. Um, that is not true. Uh, I founded this right at the onset of Black Lives Matter. And 
as a white individual, a lot of my friends were having conversations around the role of allyship. What responsibility do white people have in having conversations about race? Um, because historically, a lot of the conversations were spearheaded by people of color. And I tried to apply kind of what one of my takeaways from Black Lives Matter to, to my work with ability in the same sense that as an able-bodied person, I didn't want the responsibility of having conversations of ability to just sit on the shoulders of athletes with disabilities. So that's why I decided it was really important as an ally um, to, to include that frequently overlooked marginalized group. Yeah, and when I was kind of scrolling, you know, I went from, you know, season one, kind of looking at what looked to be your earlier episodes till now, I noticed that um, obviously around the Women's World Cup time, there's like that special edition where you're talking yep. about the 85ers, but Becky Sauerbrunn was, it seems to be in a, in a, in a place of her own. Was she your first? Becky podcast? was our first, Becky was our first interview. And I was, you know, I was gunning for her for a long time. Yeah. I mentioned that soccer was always kind of my first love. Um, I think Becky in particular has been a rock for the women's national team. She's very much um, relative to the other players, more of someone who's a little bit more soft-spoken or um, a little bit more of a quiet leader um, than I think some of the other leaders. But firm, but firm, but in, right? <laughs> but, but very firm. Do not mistake that as quiet as in pushable or anything. It is um, knows who she is, does not need to be loud about it. She's unabashedly herself and, you know, that's that. So I had been working for a long time to get Becky in particular because I think she's an incredible role model and leader. Well, and just to put this in perspective for listeners, because I had to look this up as well. So Becky's younger than me. I also interviewed her once for a radio station and I like I had the same experience as you. I didn't they set up a Zoom. I had no idea I'd be camera to camera, face uh -huh. to face. And then she appeared on. She's like, hey, I'm like, oh, say words, <laughs> say words. I don't, I forgot my name. And she's younger than me. I probably could have like babysat her, you know. And, and when I when you look at when uh, the 99ers, right, when we talk about soccer, everybody remembers certain kind of the 85ers are, I'm so glad you're spotlighting them. But when everybody remembers the 99ers, 99ers, right, 100%. She was at the U14 youth national camp when the 99ers were you know had their reign that's how and here she is now you know when she talked to you and i think was that 2020 I think 2020 that was, exactly yep. you know talking about you know not only the fight that was super educational podcast thank you for that by the way fighting for not just the equal pay but something that i think that goes a little miss also part of their contract was you know equal access like equal yeah. access to training equal access so that we can compete on the world stage that's not that long ago, and the fights continues. Well, that that <clears throat> excuse me, that, that's actually something that I wanted to like get a little focus or a little bit of a take from you on, you know, because obviously th there's a plethora of sports that yeah. women play, um, you know, but when I think about kind of uh, popularity and or equality or access to a lot of the sports that you mentioned earlier, like track and field, um, swimming or gymnastics, whatever, the Olympic type sports, for the most part, even in our youth, you know, when it came time for the Olympics and we couldn't wait because every two years we would go, you know, cold to hot, right? Um, I don't, I don't personally remember 
feeling or noticing a, a, a measurable difference in the coverage between women's, well, frankly, women's gymnastics was more popular than men's gymnastics. And there was, mm-hmm. there was a pendulum within Olympic sports in which there was expected uh, parity between women and men as far as like being good at sport. Soccer, mm-hmm. though, because obviously that's the, the, the spine of our show, that's different. As much as it's the, the, the world sport, you know, so the, I mean, there are European nations that didn't even allow women to play. European, first Crazy. world nations that did not let them play up to 20, 25 years ago. So how, how do you like, and at the same time, the Women's World Cup and women's soccer in general, especially here in the United States, it is growing faster than virtually any other sport that we have other than pickleball, maybe. Um, <laughs> how, how do you, how do you like sitting back when you make content, because I, I'm in the same world as you, you a production yeah. company. So always consuming this, does the, does that dichotomy like really freak you out a little bit that you have this huge boys club globally with the yeah. biggest game in the world yet here in the States, the girls side is kicking ass. Yeah, it stumbled a little bit this past year, but how do you navigate that? Because the media that you, the content you create, it's global yeah. content and you're dealing with really kind of the first inning of this breakout. It's true. It's such a good question. Um, first and foremost on, on the women's team this past year, as sad as I was about the outcome personally, I think it was great for the women's game globally um, in terms of getting more teams, to feel the joy, to feel the pride, to to know that they are at that level. Yes, I would have loved if the United States made it further, but I think for the women's game as a whole on the global stage, it was actually the best outcome that it could have been. Um, minus the whole Spanish team debacle with Jenny Hermoso and the coach. Don't even get me started on that. But, me neither. What do, but, what do you but, think about it? <laughs> yeah, I, we can, that's I, a different podcast, and I, I'm happy to do it. But another time, yeah, I can just feel my. Why is there? Yeah, why is there smoke it. coming out of your headphones? Yeah, JB would just have to go on mute for that one. <laughs> but but in terms of increasing um, global uh, participation in the game from from women's women athletes, I think that was a fantastic outcome. To answer your question directly, we tried it. We have to juggle. Um, level of notoriety and fame within a sport while trying to, to Jen's earlier question of, of trying to elevate unheard stories. And unheard stories can be because the athletes are, are kind of undiscovered or because like a sport isn't as popular. So to your point, JB, we have to kind of balance the, yes, everyone knows who the, the people on the US soccer team are. So if I drop an episode with, with a Lynn Williams, our numbers may skyrocket. But I think it's also important to follow that up with a Paralympic athlete from South America who's competing in the Winter Games because that's a really interesting first. Last, last um, season, we spotlighted the only female athlete in South America competing in the Winter Ga- Paralympics. Like, that is a first. So there's, there's, a lot, there's a line that we need to walk in terms of trying to balance notoriety and, and things which may be better from a listenership or downloads perspective with also trying to elevate unheard or marginalized voices because that, at the end of the day, that's our mission is to put everyone on the same platform and say, yes, they're all, the, all of them have stories that we believe are important and worthy of being told and heard. 
but it but it's tough yeah and and i don't know i'm trying to figure out the right way to say this to to encapsulate my feelings is i i jb's question kind of leads to that a little bit when he talks about you know we're we're still on an old boys network there's no doubt about it it's as progressive as st louis is with soccer it's here mm -hmm. um and and it you know it, it's it's great in this it's accomplished and that's wonderful but i find that many times i think it was spotlighted you i love how many times with at least the becky sauerbrunn interview mm -hmm. you'll do where you do the one-on-one -on -one, but then you'll kind of narrate and talk around it mm. and give some perspective and background and sure. you had a couple of other people on that episode that talked about you know, we know that in England that when the women's game got more popular, they got banned. We know that for some reason it can be threatening to the male side of the game, maybe any game, not sure. I just know about soccer, um, that it we have a problem with that. And that I would imagine, given your worldwide reach, that you must deal with having, I mean, I'll just call it what it is. It's misogyny. And it's hard to deal with, and it is still at the upper echelons of even the world's top sport. It's in FIFA. It's it's kind of still in U.S. soccer. Hundred percent. And you know, my approach to that in general um, is, I like to beat them at their own game in the sense that I like to just be better. And Becky kind of has this. <laughs> That's <attitude>. old school. <laughs> it's it's. Um, I will produce better content than them. I will show them with numbers why we are better. I will talk to them about the monetary opportunity. And then I will go out of my way to work with people who are not in the old boys cup club, but who are actively um, trying to build more inclusive platforms. So to your point, it 100% is still there. And we're trying to provide an alternative to say, hey, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, and what a great uh, line that you have, because that's pretty much, you know, Michelle Akers is your co-host on that special edition, who's, like you said, a badass. She's just Michelle Akers. Hello. <laughs> unreal. Absolutely unreal. Every time I talk to her, I get goosebumps. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm talking to you. I, I actually, I haven't told her this. I was, I think, 12 years old, and I saw the women's national team in the Denver airport, and I walked up to them and I walked up to Michelle in particular. And I was like, you're my favorite player of all time. And I, I couldn't fangirl too much in front of Michelle because she does not like that. But I thought you would appreciate that story. And again, it goes back to the, if you can see it, you can be it. That's right. And, and oh, that's first of all, awesome story. And <laughs> um, secondly, she was actually the name I heard. And I had to tell Ruth Harker, I'm so sorry. I heard Michelle's first and I only heard it because I wanted to go out and play at recess. I went to a Catholic school and we played, we had recess on the blacktop. You know, what a great place to play soccer. Let's play on the blacktop and ruin right. all your knees. But hey, um, I was good enough to play. They, they let me play. <laughs> and I loosely use that term, let me play. Um, and then mostly I got sick and tired of them because all boys do when they play is argue and, and change the rules and fight. But- What's wrong um, with that? I remember, yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> it's and, angst. And yeah, right, right. I was like, this is not that hard, boys. Uh, just give me the ball. Uh, but I remember a boy, and I can't remember who it was, being young, you know, somewhere between second and, and fifth grade, grudgingly admitting to me that 
Michelle Akers was a good soccer player. And I was like, who is she? And I need to get to know her. And, you know, there weren't, I couldn't go scroll on Instagram. I couldn't, no. it was really hard. And I was able to find out a little information, but honestly, not that much because she's not from the Midwest and, or at least wasn't from around me. And I just didn't have access to her. Exactly. Well, it's even crazy working with the 85ers. They don't have any film footage that any of them can find of that first of that first game. Oh. They, they said they remember. They all remember film crews on the side. None of them have access to that footage. It's it's crazy. So exactly to your point of, you know, we don't have if you don't have it on a phone or someone on a computer, pre-technology age, it, it makes it really hard for a lot of these athletes to um, effectively tell their story today in a world that is so visual. And JB, I think Ruth said to us on the last one, she kind of told the story about she's, you know, being in Australia, she went over there for the World Cup and, and that, you know, was in the, the place around the players and somebody was like, you know, ma'am, uh, can you please move over here? And it was Alex Morgan that was like, ah, no, this is Ruth Harker. You know, like to have that, <laughs> I, I can't imagine, I can only imagine that, wow. you know, the 85ers, that must mean so much to them to have that, that line of sight. And we need that. I mean, I don't care how young your player is, should have line of sight to the, or, you know, to the, to the OGs. Well, 100%. Jamie, I got a question more from like yeah. a uh, wishlist media perspective. Um, you know, because when you do these types of shows, as you, as I'm certain you'll concur, you know, you always look for the kind of Mount Everest, um, you know, the faces, the characters that you want to bring on because it, number one, you want to hear their stories and number two, it legitimizes whatever you're building. Um, 100%. and then on the flip side, it, it, it's always panning for gold where you talk to quote normal people or normal athletes and you know, you're waiting to be inspired or you're waiting for a story. And the funny thing is the way that the market responds listeners, right? You can never predict, you never know so what true. is going to break. So my question to you is, you know, just personally, who is the, the kind of pinnacle, the top, the, the face that you absolutely would love to have over all others, one. And two, who has been the one that is somebody listening that wants to go and check out your content? Who's somebody that is just the absolute diamond in the rough that might be the, the next up and comer in whatever sport it might be? Awesome question. Let me put that in the soccer world first, then I'll take it out of the world of soccer. And then I'm going to go to, to my produced content. Um, within the world of soccer, I want Pino. Um, I think I think her advocacy work and obviously now she's stepped away. I think she's probably made an even bigger impact off the field than on. And we've seen the impact she's made on the field. Um, she would probably be my my one within the world of soccer or Jenny Hermoso right now, um, not before the World Cup. I think it, I would love to be able to go to bat for Jenny, given what she experienced. Um, outside of the world of, so of soccer, I would say Naomi Osaka, I think would be incredible, the tennis player, or Simone Biles. Um, both are incredible advocates um, for mental health and Black Lives Matter, which I think is really cool when athletes use their platforms for something much greater than themselves. In terms of which, which episodes people should check out, this question is always so hard for me because I feel like I'm being asked to choose between my <clears throat> unborn children. Um, I think a good one to call out because it's such a different viewpoint than, um, I have, um, uh, is Masuma Alizada. Masuma is on the 
refugee team. So there's an Olympic refugee team, which number one, I don't, I did not used to know. I don't think many people are aware of. And number two, her experience is just so vastly different. So she grew up in Afghanistan, is a professional cyclist. And growing up, she had to dress up as a man. Um, she could not go outside and, and ride on a bike just in her normal clothes. And when she had to go cycling, she had to have a male rider in front of her and behind her. And she shares her story about when cars were passing by, if someone realized, oh, that's actually a woman, they would yell at her, they would throw stuff at her, and she was hit a number of times. So Masuma's story was, was really inspiring to me for two reasons. The first was, it was just a really good reality check on the privilege that I think I definitely have, but I think many people have in terms of ability to, to participate in activities that are it's a lot of people can't in other parts of the world. And then number two, because she is a voice for women in Afghanistan today, I think she's taken her work as a professional cyclist really seriously and views herself, this is as an opportunity to shed light on the condition in Afghanistan to help women back home. So I always loved working with her because I think she's just an incredible role model and take, views her professional sport as an opportunity to impact change back home. Love it. Okay, well, I need a moment. <laughs> that's, like a, that's like a tearjerker that, that wow. And, and the refugee team, I learned that uh, today. So I just learned that today. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm an Olympics no. junkie. I love the the refugee. I mean, like if you I haven't have no idea. looked into it, like listener, uh, just Google it. Olympics refugee oh, team cool. and you take your pick, pick any of the names. It's really just an amazing story. Um, but don't we go back moment. then on, on accessibility and coverage, right? And so you go back and you point the finger at, and I know, I know like every, and I think, uh, I think that you, Jamie, on a particular podcast, it was so funny. You're like, I'm calling you out, CBS. I'm calling you out, NBC. You know, yeah. and, and but yeah. but it doesn't have to be just them because there's so many more, right? Like you don't totally. have to be a major network thing to to know that the the lack of media coverage isn't because of the sport and it isn't because of the gender. It's a bad business decision to not cover that. Totally, yeah, it's, and I think that's one of. It, one of the biggest points that I like to emphasize people is that women's sports not a charity case. It's a business opportunity. Oh my and God, it's the only growth market we have. If you're not investing, you're you're actively losing dollars. So I, I think it's a common misconception, and and we're seeing companies now begin to throw their money there, and they're they're seeing the return in spades. Well, let me ask you this then, more of like a I'm going to go back to kind of a business style question then, yeah. you know, because if we all sit here and there's not a circle. In, in pop culture or sport or otherwise, or especially news, right, that won't admit that the traditional network model, the traditional cable model, those are dying, right? Mm -hmm. And we're seeing independent channels that have been blowing up for 10, 15 plus years now. So why wouldn't individuals like yourself or maybe an aggregate of individuals like yourself like mm -hmm. instead of challenging the CBSs of the world to increase their coverage, take it all away. Go go indie. Do do the pirate radio because there's never been an opportunity in technology and airwaves available to do yeah. it. Then you don't have to share, <laughs> you know, because totally. the, because the access to the next gen of true foundational supporters, they're not on CBS. True. 
It's true. It's a great point. So if anyone is listening and is like, hey, I want a, I want a teammate to, to pair up with on this, I'm in. I'll take two uh, points. <laughs> All I want is two points. <laughs> Courtesy of JB. There we go. Um, there you go. I do think I think one challenge with that is access. Uh, but one, for certain sports where access is more open, I totally think that that's that's open open field. Um, I know with like the U.S. women's soccer, for example, that is really well regulated, and those partnerships are locked. Um, well, well, I was thinking of something like: uh, Were you familiar with the TST, the seven v seven tournament that was in Cary? Yes. Did, yes. The way they did that. Hundred percent. You know, I I think that that those types of models a great point can be a path of least resistance that frankly will be way more equitable, uh, yep. and and frankly profitable. I have a hilarious story on that. Um, so Heather O'Reilly, uh, not sure if you know Heather, um, mm-hmm. obviously massive player on the U.S. women's national team for I believe fourteen years. Um, she put together a team and it was all women who had been on the U.S. women's national team. And Michelle Akers saw her post about it on Instagram and put a comment in it being like, hey, Heather, can I be your water girl? And I heard for, I, I sat down with Heather because Heather's going to be in Michelle's upcoming episode. And to hear Heather's take, you know, not really knowing Michelle super well, being like the goat just commented on my Instagram profile. (laughs) What is going on? Like immediately slid right into Michelle's DMs. was like, Michelle, we would love to have you play. Michelle ended up coaching the team. She can't play because she hurt her knees so many times. And literally she was able to recruit a couple of the, the other early, early players in the national team. So I love that. love following along it's just kind of funny to see the more human side of things of you know when you've known some of the players how they built their team so pretty cool and you're right it is so funny to hear the human side like when when ruth parker kind of introduced me to you via old-fashioned email michelle was on that email and then they they ended up on a string calling each other dorks you know they're like you're a dork i'm like oh my god everybody this is so it's so 80s and it's so teammate stuff that it's just so human and i love that you've got to love i bet you love so much not only the amazing athletic side of anybody you talk to but you get to learn a little bit more about the human that's that's exactly right and i think that's what we use to really differentiate ourselves is we focus on the person, not the sport. The sport is is the vehicle. It's the conduit through which people can get to know who these people are. So people are going to click on Ruth's episode because she was on the national team. That's really cool. But we're talking about Ruth as the first one-eyed goalie. On the, I don't know if she shared that with you. Oh, she totally did. You know, it's, <laughs> we're talking about what she cares about and who she is when she's not playing soccer. And to someone who didn't make it to the professionals, that's a lot more relatable. You can then kind of see yourself in her. And I think that at the end of the day is what gets people to care. If you're like, wow, I have a little bit of Ruth Harker in me. Maybe I'm partial badass. That's really cool. That's right. You can see, again, you can see yourself a little bit more, right? Like my daughters here love St. Louis City. Um, my seven-year-old loves Nico Joachini. He's our uh, Liam changes on the day. Uh, every, every, every other week, a new city player is his best friend. Great. You know? um, but I think you know, different for Liam is he's a boy who's going to become a man. They're a little bit more like him than yeah. they are my girls. So there is, they don't, you know, where do my girls look to at this point in time, the national team, they look maybe 
Sorry, JB. They look over to the KC Current. They look over the other way. Yes, they do, JB. I'm sorry. <laughs> JB just went on mute. <laughs> he muted. I'm out. Um, but they look, they look around and, you know, we don't quite have it here. And so podcasts like yours and coverage like yours actually brings it a little bit more home. Like when, when JB and I recorded that episode, we were at Trainwreck. Um, we're actually from our homes today on Zoom, but we were at Trainwreck in Rock Hill and my kids were doing their straw thing because Ruth turned them into bad children. But here they are. And, and literally afterwards, you know, kind of had the, the, the aha that I was just sitting with the U.S. Women's National Team person who was just a funny lady that they thought, you know, Hilarious lady, hilarious lady. It was one of the, the coolest parts about doing this kind of special mini series with the national team was sitting down with a lot of the athletes' children or spouses or I love siblings that. and being like, yeah, you know, to me, she's my mom. And then I see, you know, how her colleagues treat her or how other players treat her. And I really, she's really a big deal. And you're like, yes, your mom is a huge deal. Or, yes. you know, sitting down with uh, spouses. And I'm like, when did you realize soccer was so important? And, you know, I think it was it was Glenn, uh, uh, Pam Cornell Bauman's husband, who who was saying, I, I met Pam in high school. And I was always drawn to her because I heard her name always being read off in the morning assemblies, winning all these <laughs> sports awards. And I was like, she she kept winning everything in soccer. So... I knew it was like kind of important to her, but I didn't realize how important. And then obviously the rest is history with her going on and being all American and then making the first team. So I think to your point, it's very humanizing and, and kind of fun to see people who we put on pedestals as literally the best in the world as yes, they are that. And they're also humans with uh, their own struggles and insecurities and relationships and all the things that everyday people have. Quick question. Um, I know that on that special edition part for the U.S. Women's National Team, your your um, podcast, uh, Michelle is like a co-host. Mm-hmm. Did I miss it? Did she have her own episode that spotlighted her? It's coming. It's coming. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so um, Michelle is the first person to put the spotlight on other people. So this, yeah. this series was actually her idea. It had been a longtime dream of hers to give her teammates credit. People know her name, but she often is frustrated that a lot of her teammates are not given the respect or the um, the space that I believe and she believes obviously that they deserve. Um, her story is coming. Why it is delayed, there were a couple athletes who were not at that 1985 reunion in North Carolina. We tracked them down. So we are determined to make sure we cover every single athlete um, on that original 1985 team, we were finally able to get in touch with them via like old school Facebook Messenger. <laughs> For old people. Literally, MySpace. My, literally tried every form of communication possible. We're like, we're going to throw it at the wall and see what sticks. We finally heard back and we're recording those interviews and then Michelle's will be the last to drop. 
Oh, that is so awesome because I'm just scrolling through and I'd already, of course, I went straight to why well, I, I saw Becky Sauerbrunn. That's the first one yeah. I did. So I was like, oh, and then I scrolled immediately. I did immediately Ruth. And then I just got done with Lori Henry. And before we got on, I was in the middle of uh, Stacey Enos, I think. Enos, amazing. Uh, yeah, Enos. And so I'm looking here and there's so many more, you know, Denise Bender, um, that, who, you said Pat Bauman, Cornell, like mm -hmm. Cindy Gordon. And so you're telling me there's more to come. There's, there's two more to come and then Michelle's. Um, one thing that I do like to always flag for people, we did include 1986er Kim Crab in this. So Kim had was actually planning on coming to the reunion. She is called like an, uh, an honorary 85er. Yeah, she probably played up. <laughs> um, yeah, the reason we liked it, we were really adamant about including Kim's story in this kind of special edition. She was the first woman of color to play on the national team. So she's the first American, African-American to roster on, on the U.S. women's national team. So that's where wow. we were like, you're a trailblazer on your own. Fine. You didn't play on the 85 team. Let's, let's squeeze her in there. Yeah. I, I have a question. Um, more, I'm going to go back to the media side a little bit because yeah. I'm hearing this, and you know, in, in in really, there's looking at the page and looking at the content that you're creating and putting out there. It really is you're swinging between telling the stories that need to be told and moving into the you know stories that need to elicit change, and then there's just hey, here's up and coming, or you just need to hear because it it's a great athlete. But mm -hmm. I'm wondering, you know, because earlier I asked if, you, you know, were you a consultant or anything like that? <laughs> and you clearly said no, but I want you to be a consultant for a second as, okay. a, as a media professional. Um, and specifically, you know, because our show, we know that there are a lot of soccer moms and dads that sit in their car with their kids and they listen to these. And there's kids listening to this right now. And what I'd like you to potentially address or talk about is for these young athletes, young female athletes in particular, when it comes to telling their story digitally, because we know they're all on the gram, they're all on TikTok, they're on okay. Snapchat, you know, and you and you put together content in a, in a highly polished manner. Mm -hmm. How important and how much time should they be spending in being careful with what they create and put out there? That beca because a lot of that is part of who they are outside of being an athlete. So just wondering if you have any like advice or consultation for a young athlete that is super consumed with, you know, getting the impressions and the likes yeah. and what it means to their story, not only as an individual, but as an athlete. JB, it's such a good question. Um, I was actually just having this conversation with my boyfriend who was a division one wrestler and talk, looking back at some of his previous posts and he was like I wish I did I'd been more intentional about this um so I would say a couple things so if you are a young athlete and I'm assuming you're all over social because that's what kids do these days um I would say that that's your brand and you have to be really careful with it I know right now it is how you connect to your friends I know it's how you kind of show your social standing. I know it's how you relate to people and engage with people, but it is also an extension of your potential monetary value in the future. Um, it could actually drastically impact your hireability if people are going to say yes to you when you apply to internships. Just this past 
um, very different, but we're seeing um, with the Hamas-Israel war, people who posted things on social media actively being targeted not to be hired for jobs because of what they shared. So I would just think really carefully if, about what you're posting and anything I put out on my feed, I'm assuming the, the head of a company is gonna see it. So I would not put anything out into the, the internet world that you're not comfortable with A, your parents seeing, because guess what? Um, they probably have some permission set and B, uh, potential employers seeing. And I, I would just be really careful about that. Or recruiters. Exactly. Because, you know, they know how to play this game too. And because too, you know, back in the day, so we talked to 85 and older, um, you know, you didn't have as many athletes and you didn't have these platforms. So you, so many times, if you're going to go to a college and things like that, you, I can just speak of a student. You, you, you had to play on the team sometimes with people who are jerks. Oh, you right. don't have to anymore. People don't have to recruit that anymore. College coaches don't want to coach that, or, or professional coaches don't want to coach that. You know, so much more talk, even with our own MLS team, about how they vet a new player all the way down. Lutz Spanish deal, we'll talk about. We vet all the way down to the dog. You know, like, how is this person? Are they going to fit our culture? 100%. So I, I think, yeah, the biggest differentiation or the biggest reframe is, is not thinking about it for how you're using it as a tool today, but how it could be used against you actually and to potentially could hurt you. Um, so I would just say be really careful about what you put out there um, because it's fun and it's great and it's engaging. But, you know, one post and your ability to get recruited goes down the drain, unfortunately. Well, I have two things, JB, if, if we still have time. So one, I, re I wanted to ask if, um, Jamie, you remember, oh, I think it was Stacy's that I was listening to, just because we are a Soccer mom Sunday, and I thought it would be good for all of our listeners, especially all the girls <clears throat> I used to coach should be listening to this, um, that they, the story of Usa, she mm. tells the story, like, I think you prompted her to tell the story, or maybe Michelle did, of like, how the USA chant, you know, USA, but USA started. Do you yes, remember that? I do. I do. Um, so essentially, this was the 1985 first international match of the Copa Mundial. So this was the precursor to the World Cup. There was no World Cup at the time. Um, women's soccer was not even Olympic sport. And this was the first time that women the U.S. women's national team had competed internationally. And they're in Italy, and they step onto the field, and they hear the Italians cheering, USA, USA. And at first, they all think they're booing them. They're like, what's going on? I don't know what this <laughs> is. And it took a couple of them huddling together to realize, no, they're actually chanting USA, but just with very heavy Italian accents. So USA, USA. And what's really cool is that this is one of the lasting legacies of this 1985 team. It's still the cheer the US women's national team uses until this day. But it came from Italians cheering for this national team with very thick Italian accents. I, I, I could see Ruth Harker, if she was there, kind of paying attention. She would have been running, you know, with brass knuckles, like bring it on, you know. 
she would have been, would have been like, out. all of yeah, you, all of you one. feral fans, I'm coming at yeah. you. She's like, you're bullying me. She's gonna yeah. come at me. No, actually, trying to support you. Yeah, just hit me in this eye. I dare you. It was just such a Jamie. I love the story so much, and and because I'd heard it, like I I haven't not I've heard USA before, and it made sense to be like USA. Okay, USA. I just didn't know the story that came behind it. And we have the Italians to thank for that. Yes, we do. We do, and they're they're very uh, they're very thick accents. Besides wine and pasta, we thank you for our chance. <laughs> and also, you know, before we you know close up the show, and I'm not trying to close it. By the way, I got. My, you know, my kids aren't home for another hour. I'm good. But um, curious, Jamie, too, is like, you've done already so much, like, hopes, dreams for the near future and, and further future for, for flame bearers and maybe other things you might be working on. Sure. So our vision is that flame bearers become the go-to storytelling platform for elite women athletes. That when people think of the stories of the best athletes in the world who are women that they that the flame bears name comes to mind we are building out our video production and our event roster so we're starting to do a ton of in-person events so bringing athletes together in person to share their stories which is really cool because then you get to meet them you get to ask them questions yourself and you can say hey i, I shook ruth harker's hand how cool is that for your kids to now say that you know, she taught me how to blow bubbles in my in my drink and <laughs> little things like that. Um, so that's our vision. Uh, we have some exciting video stuff we're working on yet, but I can't quite announce that. So stay tuned. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I just want to also just thank you so much for what you do, because I'm envisioning, you know, I've got four kids who are in school and, and you know, every 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 year, at least one of them comes home right with the project that says, you know, find somebody that you admire, right? A celebrity, it could be a sports person and like flame bearers could be like one of those go-to, you know, sources. I don't think back in my day, it was Encyclopedia Britannica. So now it could be flame bearers. Go find somebody that inspires you. Well, I was just thinking about this. Uh, your Boston, <laughs> your Boston roots, is this kind of the uh, alternative to Barstool? <laughs> Perhaps. Actually, okay, wait, you guys got to bring me up to speed. I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, come on, Jen. Don't, you should have asked me that offline. You don't want to admit that stuff on air. Hey. <laughs> just just Google Barstool. <laughs> okay, I'm doing it right now on my phone. Dave, Go ahead. Dave, it's Dave Portnoy, though. One bite, everybody knows the rule. You know, the pizza guy. Well, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a media empire at this point. And it's, it's bro, uh, okay. it is bro heavy. But I was, you know, just pointing out the, oh, the Boston see. connection there. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Funnily enough, Erica Nardini is my was my former CMO when I used to be in the corporate world. And now she, I think she's the president of Barstool Sports. So small, crazy world. Um, well, I mean, yeah. it really is like, you know, I mentioned earlier, like this, this directional vision as opposed to trying to tear down or get into a wall or room that is impenetrable or has been build a new build a new room because they're on the easy side they are covering content that is readily available everywhere they being barstool with college basketball and nfl etc and they still said screw you guys we're going our own our own route 
you know, yeah. so so I think it's I think it's one of those things that I, I love what you're doing because the, the, the production itself just I'm, I'm huge on the imagery. It looks mm. great. Um, <laughs> yeah. And obviously the uh, the guests are just top notch. You've yeah. you've got the Mount Rushmore uh, kind of already checked off. So really excited to see what's next. Thank you. Well, Autumn I got one more question. Oh, sorry. Sure. When you're I was just going to say the athletes deserve the credit. I'm literally just giving them a mic and snapping nice pictures. So. Uh, I think it's more than that because, you know, you're for yours. I mean, I was just listening to Becky Sauerbrunn's, you know, it's not just a sit down. I feel like JB and I got it easy. I'm just, I got some questions. We're having a conversation, but like you're talking to multiple sources. You're weaving a story with data to back it up. And that takes a hell of a lot of work. Well, and here's the other thing, the the, the work that we do, look, let's, let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit because what happens is every now and then, you capture a story from somebody that inevitably is not going to be around forever and or you open up memories for those that are close to those individuals to relive what they grew up Great with point. as a child of that athlete or otherwise. And it's a service. It is, it is a public service. And it's kind of like archiving these, in, these individuals in perpetuity. Hmm. That's cool because it, it, it really cool. it, it changes the 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 direction of these conversations because we know that it's you're not going to get it again you're going to ask that question you know and and they're going to answer and and those that want to hear it are going to be like okay you know that's a reminder or whatever it might be so yeah good on good on you well thank you I'm not good at patting myself on the back, but thank you. <laughs> and for anybody who's listening, easy find flamebearers, flamebearers.com. You can find online any podcast streaming service. But something I wanted to make sure we did for you, Jamie, because as I listen to what you do for your guests, you know, one of the things I thought was really great is at the end of your episodes, you're saying if you want to send a video, if you want to send a letter, if you want to send mm. something, we'll make sure it gets to, you know, kind of a service back to your guest, right? Yes. And so as a service back to to our guest, you know, what kind of ask that can can we give of our listeners to do or or provide or consume that would help what you're doing? Wow, um, thank you. That's very thoughtful. I would say if anything I have shared today resonates with you, to reach out. I would love to hear from you. Uh, it could just be a a DM. We have a whole collaborate page on our website. If there's a way that you as an individual or you as a company would like to work with us, we're actively looking for new partners. Or if you just want to be a part of our community on social media, follow us. Um, We are always looking for new individuals to engage with. So that would be my ask. What's what's your Venmo handle? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I'll accept that. There you go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Awesome. Jamie, you have anything else? No, I'm good. You know what? That, that was re- that was a lot of fun, Jamie. It's uh, I, I'm I'm gonna peel into your catalog there because it's our our backbone, our 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 love affairs with the game, and you know these these stories are got you got to hear them because you you learn from it, spread them out, and uh, looking forward to supporting your platform. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate that. No uh, well, this has been great. Thank you so much, and Jen, thank you for for making this possible. Thank you so much for saying yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, as Jamie just mentioned, follow is free. Uh, go ahead and click it. Send it to a friend. And uh, Jen, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. 
wink wink it's really friday jamie you too right. <laughs> and we'll uh we'll catch up with everybody next time we'll see you later <laughs>